All right, welcome, folks, to the War Room Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jer. I'm with my co-host here, Adam. Uh, we're going to talk about and bridge the gap between the eye test and analytics in sports, and in particular, our hockey and basketball with our two favorite teams, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors. Adam, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How about you? Good. Excited. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick recap of our two favorite teams, the Leafs and the Raptors. Uh, the reason I'm excited is because the Leafs have a coaching change. Uh, you know, we're talking about the switch from Mike Babcock to Sheldon Keefe. They've won three out of their first four games. Uh, as of right now, they lost their last game to the Sabres last night, uh, 6-4 on the road. The Raps, they are just humming along. They've won six straight. They won last night when uh, one of the worst games of their season, but they still won it. It's 90-83 against the Orlando Magic. So, as we've done pre- on our previous podcast, we're going to talk about uh, two stats from each hockey and basketball, two advanced stats. Uh, Adam's going to break them down for us. All right, Adam, take it away. All right, so we're going to start off with the NHL, and we're going to be talking about expected goals for. And expected goals for is just a stat which kind of tells us what the shot quality is going to be of a team. Um, so, essentially, it takes into account the number of shots coming from certain locations on the ice. Okay. And we just multiply that by the probability of scoring from that location based on league averages. Right. Okay. So let's just say from the slot, there's a 50% chance of scoring, and you take two shots from the slot, you expect to score one goal. Right. So if you're Austin Matthews, maybe expected to score twice. Oh, maybe. But, uh, 100% possibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, if only. And in the NBA, we're going to be looking at true shooting percentage, which tells us Essentially, how efficient a player is or a team is at shooting, taking into account two-point field goals, three-point field goals, and free throws. A little different than the the conventional three-point percentage or the two-point percentage that we usually look at because we can combine them together and say, let's say a player takes many more three-pointers than two-pointers, it will tend to uh, reward them a little bit more. Okay, so does it balance it out? Because, for example, sorry, just a quick, before we get into the Leafs and the Raps and how they're doing, just a quick clarification here. Uh, the, the goal I always hear, so Steph Curry had a couple of these seasons when he won MVP, which is a 50-40-90. And for those of you who don't know, that's 50% from the field, uh, 40% from the three-point line, and 90% from the free throw line. So is it a better indicator than just looking at those three things individually by themselves and sort of rehearsing that line? Because I've heard it many times. 50-40-90 is just a benchmark. doesn't okay. really tell you anything. But Steph Curry, the year, what, what year was it? 16-17? F- 15-16. 15-16, that, that, his second MVP season. Yeah, that's right. His true shooting percentage was off the charts. Yeah, One exactly. of the highest would, of all times by a guard. Yeah, which would have been a better indicator, yeah, I think. Then, then the cool thing, which is that he got 50, 40, 90. But again, the reason I bring that up is because I want to make clear that, that the reason an advanced analytic exists is to give you a much better understanding than those sort of more basic benchmarks that exist. Uh, okay, uh, let's move into the Toronto Maple Leafs and their the stats that we're going to talk about. So expected goals for, expected goals against, and of course, uh, ex- based on those two, expected plus minus. Yeah, so like I said, expected goals for is simply just counting the number of shots based on a location and multiplying by the shooting percentage of the league 
at those locations. The average shooting the percentage. The average shooting percentage of the league. So now what we're going to do is we take a player and look at how many goals, I mean, how many shots they take from a specific location mm-hmm. multiplied by the league average shooting percentage from those locations, and we get an individual expected goals for. Or we can look at the entire team and we say how many shots do they take from certain locations, and we multiply that by the probability of scoring from a league-wide average, right? Right, right. So that's expected goals for, expected goals against is just the opposite of the team-based one where we look at the number of shots given up from certain locations multiplied by the same league average shooting percentage from those locations. Okay, so in layman's terms, we're saying the, the areas in which players score the most, we're assigning value to how often they get a chance to shoot from there and so it gives us a good idea of, is a coach's scheme working? Before we even get into how talented a team is, do they have an Austin Matthews that can shoot you know, with a high probability from the slaughter? Are they even getting to those areas, first of all? And are they getting chances from those areas? So that's, what, that's how this would help. And how much are they giving up? Uh, you know, I think the Leafs, they've realized this as Sheldon Keith's come on. Mike Babcock tried to change this. Uh, it doesn't look like the players really bought in. But they want to be a team that controls the puck a lot. But all of them have admitted, look, we're, we are also going to give up a lot. But we feel confident that we'll have the puck enough and, you know, and, and separate that gap. But when you're a team that is going to give up a lot, you need a really good goalie. Frederick Anderson is one. We saw last night their backup, Michael Hutchison, currently anyways, is really just not working out for him. Uh, he's allowing goals that are not soft per se, but, but weaker for sure. Things that Frederick Anderson would stop. So we can kind of look at a stat, which we call the expected plus minus, to tell mm-hmm. us how many good quality shots we're giving up compared to how many we're getting. That's right. Right. So our expected plus minus is essentially just the expected goals for, mm-hmm. subtracted the expected goals against. Right, right. right. So we, is, get, we get the expected goal difference. But Adam, I thought the most important stat was plus minus. For years, I just thought, hey, if a defenseman is plus 20, you know, he's probably an amazing defenseman. <laughs> But things like luck can, yeah, can just change right. the fortunes of a regular plus-minus. Right. Whereas this tells you, hey, this is the exact quality of the shot that we're giving up and the expected number of goals based on quality. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we've talked about it too before. In the extremes, it's not that hard to analyze a player. So if a player scores 70 goals and he's plus 40 for the year, obviously he's pretty dominant on the ice uh, before going into the advanced stats. There's some advanced stats that might help us shape him more in terms of figuring out who he is. Uh, But it's not, sorry, I I should clarify. It's not that I'm throwing away the base stat that is plus minus completely. It's just that if you really want to analyze a player's worth or a a team's performance, you need to delve into these stats to really figure those things out. That's why advanced statistics could be a better contextual argument for mm-hmm. for why a certain player is playing a certain way or why a team is playing a certain way. That's right. So advanced stats still come with uh, negatives. Yeah, caveats. Right? So this one in particular, it doesn't take into account the skills of the players. Because obviously a player like Austin Matthews, he goes to the hard, more difficult places on the ice and he scores from there. Mm-hmm. That would drive down his expected goals for because the league average shooting percentage from those locations is pretty small. It's lower than his. It's lower than, than, than his would be. Than his would be at the, those locations. So he would probably drive up his number of actual goals 
compared to the number of expected goals. Mm-hmm. On a counter of that, someone could just get lucky and score more actual goals than their expected goals. Right. So you can't really tell the difference between skill and luck in this regard, right? Because Austin Matthew is more skilled and can score from the corners, uh, but a player can just be lucky and score from the corners. So we can't differentiate between the two of those things. It doesn't take into account the competition, obviously. It's just... Let's say a certain team plays more a diff- more difficult schedule. Mm-hmm. Their expected goals would probably be fewer, right? right? If they play but, tougher teams, but we don't take that into account, right? Yeah, or, or the goalie, or the that, goalie that they yeah, face. The right? goalie spectacular. If the goalie spectacular, your actual goals will be a, a lower number than yeah. your expected goals. And um, talking about goalies, we can talk about the Leafs goalies and essentially how expected goals are affecting them. Right. So, let's say the Leafs, just from an eye test point of view, it seems like they're giving a lot of shots up from the slot, from the low slot. Did you, have you noticed that? I mean, I would say, and I looked into their high danger chances a little bit, they are a team that is okay giving up a bunch, Okay, uh, yeah. is, is what it looks like to me, anyways. So, I mean, if we just look at Frederick Anderson versus the field, their mm-hmm. other goalies, just by, just by our, our intuition, we say that. Well, he's better than them, mm-hmm. but let's look at it through expected goals. Okay. So I'm just looking on 5-on-5 five five because it's not very reliable for power plays or penalty kills. That's right. So in the 2018-2019 season, um, Frederick Anderson had an expected goals against. This is what we're going to look at. There's expected goals against of 156.15. So Anderson was expected to allow 156 approximately goals over the entire season Five on five. The actual number of goals while he was on was 146. So he saved 10 more goals than expected. Okay. This was last year. Now let's talk about without Anderson. Without Anderson, the expected goals against was 62. The number of goals actually scored against them without Anderson was 85. So 23 more goals. In far fewer games. Right, right. Right? So And Garrett Sparks was had a pretty rough year last year. I mean, is it comparable to Hutchinson's this year? In terms of how many goals he's given up, I think so. So do you want to look at that stat right now? I mean, yeah. No, you know what? You're on a roll. I'll, I'll, I'll let you keep No, keep we'll, we'll talk about that. So yeah. in tw- this year, let's talk about this year. Frederick Anderson, we can say he's been a pretty good goalie this year, mm-hmm. right? So his expected goals against, 33.81. And his actual goals against, 33. And that's for this year. That's for this year only. Okay, so, so really close. So it's really close. So yeah. just based on, hey, this is the number of shots taken from these danger spots or these locations on the ice, they're expected to score 33 goals against Anderson, and they kind of did score 33 goals against Anderson. So can you imply then that he's sort of playing uh, about average? Average from, well, I mean, you can't really call it average, but essentially he's playing to the expected number to of the projection. goals yeah. based on the chances the Leafs give up. Okay. It, it doesn't really say anything about Anderson per se, but it may be saying things about the Leafs giving up high dangerous chances compared to other teams who have goalies who tend to have lower expected goals against while a lot of more. Goals, right. So, right? so he's not underperforming. He's not underperforming. That's, that's how we can look at it. Okay. He's performing decently well. Yeah, So I, I, and I think that's fair because he's had a little bit of up and down, but you know, for the most part... 
He's been solid. He's been solid this year. Not he as a, good as last year. He had a slow year, start to the season, but yeah. Yeah, he's he, been solid. For even the in the games part. he played well, he allowed a couple of weaker goals, uh, which probably contribute to that stat. But, uh, you know, it would have been surprising to me if, you know, he had allowed a lot more than the expected goals. So let's talk about without Anderson, which is a hot topic for Leaf fans. Yeah. Um, so without Anderson, the expected goals against are 15 so far this year. Mm-hmm. 15.54 to be specific. And without Anderson, the actual goals against are 27. Whew. So you can see that maybe Anderson has been bailing out the least for the past couple of years. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, see, that is where the eye test and analytics, I think, match up so well. So well. Yeah. Anderson saved, within the past two years, has saved 10 goals, 10 to 11 goals, whereas the backups have allowed approximately... 23 plus 12, so, so 35, 35 additional Ooh. goals than expected. That, uh, look, it's, this is where I think analytics really helps, is that it's kind of known. You can see, obviously, they're allowing too much, but that is a catastrophically bad number. And I think, more than anything, that reflects poorly on management. As much as everyone wanted to throw Mike Babcock, you know, under the rug for the fact that he always put them in a tough situation. I'm willing to bet, and you know, maybe this is something we'll talk about in the future, how Curtis McElhaney did in the same situation. Because the Leafs and all the media around them never talked about this. Mike Babcock did this for four years, and it never came up as a problem. And then, all of a sudden, they have a rookie goalie last year and Garrett Sparks. They have a goalie who was out of the NHL for a bit, who's back, who they thought was reliable, and Michael Hutchinson. And both of them have just completely missed their mark, and by a ton. I mean, that is a huge minus uh, on the backup goalie. In today's NHL, teams need to invest in backup goalies. Yeah. And FYI, in case anyone's forgotten, the Bruins, the Islanders, and even the Capitals, they're three of the top teams in the NHL, uh, all three of them have excellent one-two tandems right now. It would be uh, interesting looking at uh, the expected goals against and actual goals against for those teams to see, hey, are, are the backups detrimenting the team as much as the backups of Toronto has detrimented Yeah, and, and just to reiterate the point that you're making, um, the Capitals and the Penguins, they've won three out of the last four Cups. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray in particular I think I, I look. I did actually look into this a little bit. Their expected, uh, the actual goals against them versus the expected goals against, they are incredibly uh, valuable for for their teams. And now you could sort of see that with the eye test, but they really outperformed based on the expected goals against. Uh, I think they were. It was a huge. I guess minus is that the way to, or, or a huge plus. They were. They were a huge plus in that area. So. Now, now we can move away from the goalies and see, hey, Toronto's known as a high-scoring team. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the players' expected goals for. Yeah. So I've looked at the last three years, and I, 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 I categorize based on the high scores on the Leafs. So starting with the 17-18 season, even strength goals, number one was Matthews, number two was uh, JVR, and number three was Hyman. What? For even strength goals. These are right, actual right, even right, strength right. goals. Now let's talk about expected goals. So Matthews had an expected goals of 16.71. Uh, 
So almost 10 more actual goals than expected goals. Mm -hmm. JVR had expected goals of 15.25, six more actual goals than expected goals, and Hyman had an expected goals of 14.35. So he had one more expected goal than his actual number of even strength goals. Now, are those averages for the season? or just, uh, Sorry, for, for five on five during the That's season? That's five on five during the 17-18 season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on. So they all overperformed. Well, Matthews and JVR overperformed, and Hyman approximately performed. He had 13 even strength goals, oh, for, and, and he had 14.35 oh, expected so, goals. So pretty close. So this can speak to, hey, Matthews is taking shots that are go, coming from locations that aren't typically high-scoring, qual right. high-quality positions on the ice, but yeah. he's scoring them at a higher percentage than the league. He's finding the, the, those little niche areas, you know, uh, that he can figure out how to score from, basically, better than maybe most, most teams. And Zach Hyman obviously wasn't, a, wasn't the highest scoring Leaf that year, except uh, he had the third highest expected goals on the team, mainly because he probably comes, goes to high danger spots on the All ice. the time, front of the net. Yeah. All the time, basically. Zach Hyman knows how to do that, I think, as good as any player on the team. And we'll move on to see this in the 18-19 season. So the leaders for expected goals are Tavares, Matthews, Kapanen, and Hyman. Tavares had 22 goals, expected goals, while scoring 33 even-strength goals. Mm -hmm. Matthews had 17.96 expected goals while scoring 23 even-strength goals. Kapanen had 14.59 expected goals while scoring 14 even-strength goals. And again, Hyman had 14.48 expected goals while scoring 14 even strength goals. So you can kind of see that Hyman does get into these more productive positions on the ice to take shots. Right, right. right. Whether he's scoring on them may speak to skill. That's right. But it, it, he's approximately the same number of goals yeah, as expected goals. So maybe it's just he's, he's, he's the norm. Yeah, right? and, and yeah, he's consistent yeah. too. He's hitting that norm. Whereas Tavares, he has 33 even strength goals and only 22 expected goals, so 10 more. Yeah, what a year he had last year. So, I mean, a lot of people... He overachieved. A really. lot of people were saying, though, well, Tavares gets into the... Uh, scoring because he's getting into the dangerous spots on the ice, but he scored 33 actual goals and only had 22 expected goals. So yeah. maybe he's actually scoring from... Everywhere. Everywhere around the ice. And, and right? it was true in the sense of, so the eye test would, would tell you, he also, like Hyman, is very good in front of the net. He works hard in front of the net. He gets into those tough spots. He takes a beating. Uh, but the guy has great hands, and he's got a great shot. Uh, maybe not one of the best shots in the NHL, but definitely on the he's in the upper echelon of players. And this, to me, is just an indication of what grit and hard work does, plus having that high-end skill. Yeah, it's and, all I mean, about... The number one factor for this is high-end skill. That's right. Once again, Matthews had 23 goals, whereas had 18 expected goals. So five more last year. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this year so far. And uh -oh. <laughs> take a guess. Who do you think has the highest expected goals this year for the Leafs? Um, expected. Expected? Since you're asking, I'm betting not Matthews. Uh, maybe it is. Uh, I'll guess... Uh, uh, who does it? Who, who? What does my eye say has the, has the most chances? I'll put Kapanen up there. All right, this might surprise you. It's William Nylander. Oh, that was my second. Yes. <laughs> Five point seven six expected goals mm. while scoring seven 
actual goals this year, even strength goals this year. Matthews was second on the list with 5.26 expected goals while scoring 11 even strength goals this year. Mikheyev had 4.24 expected goals while scoring only three goals. Okay. And Tavares had four expected goals and scored four actual goals on even strength. So you can see Matthews once again is up, is up there. Is up there. Like that's this is purely talking about his skill. Yeah. So he's a high skill player scoring from places on the ice where players just don't score from. Right. Whereas a player like um, a player like Nylander, he's slightly there. He has two more goals than expected. But a player like Mikheyev, he is scoring fewer goals than his expected. So three actual goals. Whereas he had 4.24 expected goals. So maybe that's about skill. Maybe mm-hmm. that's about um, just luck. Yeah, yeah, it might be luck. Like, I think Mikheyev, it's some of it is confidence. Yeah. Um, but I, what I love when I hear about that is that, just again, maybe this is just an eye test thing. Nylander looks a lot more hungry this year and playing with obviously last year's contract debacle really slowed him down. He was not up to he was not up to snuff when it came to uh, the regular season and was still behind by the time the playoffs rolled around. He did not have a good year. Uh, you know, uh, and then the previous year too, um, he had a good season. Uh, it was his contract year, but there was still a lot of criticism about him, mainly that he sticks to the outside. He doesn't get in the tough spots. Uh, he's, you know, he's a little bit lazy maybe, and it's not, when I, when, I guess lazy may be the wrong word, but really it was, he doesn't play hard enough for a consistent enough period of time. And maybe we can see that by saying... He's not uh, in the top three. In the, he's not, he's not in the yeah. top three a few years ago, but mm-hmm. now he's getting into the high danger areas, and even if he, he's converting on them, but even if he weren't converting, at least it's a sign that, hey, he's mm-hmm. getting to these places. An interesting player I want to see this year is Hyman's stats of expected goals. He's played so few games this yeah. year that I couldn't really uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. count them. But um, Same with Marner. Seemed, and Marner as well. But Hyman man. seems to shoot from the best locations on the ice to score yeah. from. Yeah. Just consistently. Whether he's scoring or not, is it luck? Is it skill? And for everybody else that wanted to dog on Mike Babcock, this is a guy that stuck with Hyman when everybody was ready to throw him to the wolves and say, why would you have this, you know, grindy player on, you know, uh, he used to play with Matthews a couple of years ago and everyone sort of complained. And then finally, when everyone realized that his puck retrieval skills were great and now that we're seeing, even in the offensive stats, uh, it's, you know, it's spectacular that he is, he's in those areas and he's performing pretty adequately. Okay, so we've covered the Leafs. I love that I found out that William Nylander is really pushing it this year. You could you could see it, but it's even better when you see that you know he he's get he's getting to those spots and he's slightly and he's scoring and, and he's, he's scoring. scoring. So you know so, I think he's going to be worth his contract. It, it's a good contract. I wouldn't say they've they've done extremely well, but it's a good contract. Unlike I would say both Marner and, and maybe Matthews were slightly overpaid. Uh, Marner for sure. Uh, okay. That's the Leafs. They are obviously a top-end offensive team, but it's good to find out exactly, I think in this case, Anderson, how valuable he is. Such because, an important yeah, piece. Everyone sort of has said on the side, you know, Matthews, yay, Marner, yay, Tavares, you know, double yay. But the reality is Frederick Anderson is a huge part of this team. 
I would say he's the MVP. Here's a, that that that's an advanced stat that that would help contribute to that case. Moving forward to Canada's favorite sports team right now, as far as I'm concerned, and that is the Toronto Raptors. And we're going to look at their true shooting percentage. And I think we're going to talk about Kyle Lowry in particular as well, right? Yes, we are. But let's just go over true shooting percentage once again. Yes, please. And true shooting percentage is just a stat that tells us how efficiently a player or a team is shooting. So do you remember back back in the days of big men in the paint? Shaq, Shaq. Tim Duncan, David Robinson. And in general, big men in general, they have high shooting percentages, right? Right. But are they actually contributing to the offense as much as a player who's taking a lot of threes, shooting them at above league average, but not much else? Mm-hmm. So this kind of tells us, hey, how many points are we taking into account for the percentage that they're shooting, right? Mm-hmm. So what the stat really tries to do is to convert everything into two-point shots and tell you what this effective percentage of two-pointers are. For example... A three-pointer is worth 50% more than a two-pointer. Mm-hmm. So you can crank up the percentage of a, of a... You can translate it to a two-point shot where the percentage is increased by a certain... By 50%, essentially. What do you mean by that? So let's say a player is shooting 50% from two. Okay. Right? How many expected points is that? That's one point. One point. Right? Whereas if you shoot 50% from three... That's 1.5 points, right? Right, right. Right. So effectively, if you were to try to convert that into two-point percentage, we would look at what percentage is required from a two-point shot to get the same number of points from a three-point shot. Right, right? okay. Yeah, so that's what you're saying. That's exactly what it's doing. Basically, especially in today's NBA, they're better at shooting from the outside, and you're going to score more efficiently if you get good looks from the outside. Rather than just throw it in the paint. Yeah, so... You know, and hope the post-up works This is where time. the three-point revolution is coming from. Yeah. In addition to three-pointers, it also looks at free throws. Because mm-hmm. free throws is a pretty hard stat to kind of include into efficiency of scoring. We all know that it's effective. Very right? important. Yeah. It's an important factor. Uh, the best players generally have a high number of free throws attempted. But how can we combine that into a stat with two-point shots and three-point shots? Right, to figure out how efficient they are shooting. Yeah, so the calculation for it is pretty simple. It's a little bit of a bore, but we just take the number of two-point field goals made plus 1.5 times the number of three-point field goals made because it's worth 50% more. That's right. Oh, I did not know that. Plus 0.5 times the number of free throws made because a free throw is worth one point, right? Right. So if you see it, it's kind of like it's worth 50% less than Than a a two-point shot. And we take that and we divide... By the total number of field goals attempted, so that's twos and threes, mm-hmm. plus free throws attempted. A number times free throws attempted, right? right? Why do we have to look at this number, this factor that we multiply by free throws attempted? Is it because, well, a free throw, is it worth as much as a shot from two point? No. No, right? Like, we don't want to penalize a player to the same level as, well, if you took one free throw, you took one two-point shot, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, so we can lower it down to, well, every time you take a two-pointer, a free throw is half a shot, essentially. So we can multiply it by 0.5 times the number of free throw attempts, right? I see. Okay. Right? But now, let's say you get fouled on the three-point line. Then you well, take three free throws. So you, take, yeah. so you have to time, multiply by 0.3333, right? right? One-third. It's worth one-third of a two-point shot, mm-hmm. right? Each free throw. But now, let's say you get an and one. 
well, the free throw shouldn't even be counted, right? Because mm-hmm. it's part of that two-point shot that you took. You just got an right. extra point from it. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a number, a factor between 0.5, because it's worth half of a two-point two point shot. shot, 0.333, because it's worth one-third of a shot, or zero, because it's not actually part of a shot, right? It's, it's part of that two-point shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The right. NBA, like the, the statisticians who created the stat, they decided on a number 0.44, right? It tries to take into account the fact that, hey, it's not worth, if you take a free throw, taking one free throw on a, a two-point attempt, that's only half the number of shots, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a free throw on a three-point attempt, it's one-third of the number of shots. If you get it on a, um, an and one, well, you kind of didn't even take a shot, right? Like right. you've already encountered the shot. And now we're just hey, taking a free throw for free. Yeah. So right? right. So so now we're trying to get that in between spot, and statisticians decided that it's worth a number 0.44. They found sort of a. They've tried to find a middle ground. Yeah. So they say. tried to find a middle ground. For yeah. It. I mean, I'm sure they looked at how many and ones yeah. there were, as opposed to how many times people Essentially, got fouled from that's outside. Exactly what they did. Yeah. And then how often you get fouled and take yeah. two shots. Which you can is, see which it's is the most frequent. It's closest to a two point. Which, which would which make sense, sense, which I think right? they must have found out. So th- that's an important thing to understand for people who don't know how much has gone into true shooting percentage. It's yeah. not just adding three things and you know finding the average. <clears throat> but the issue you can see is with this huge three-point revolution happening in the NBA, there's a lot more three-point foul shots, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what happens? That .44 is leaning towards that two-point shot. Maybe it should be dropping down a little bit now. And I think they right. may have to do it eventually. I mean, I guess it's really become a revolution insofar that stuff creating Clay Thompson. Or James Harden gets or fouled James on Harden. every three he ever takes, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, the eye test would tell us. And, yeah. and doing that would increase that true shooting percentage. So maybe James Harden's real true shooting is percentage actually, is actually higher than what his posted true shooting percentage is. Right, Because right. he takes so many three-pointers that are fouled. Ooh, there's right? a lot more math behind true shooting percentage than I think I, for certainly I realized. Yeah, especially when it came to free throws. Free throws is a, is a, it's a, is a huge area. part of the it's game. It's a tricky area to get yeah, into a stat. Yeah, and right? a huge part of the game. It there's is a no, huge part of the no game. There's no way getting out of, you know, when someone takes 14 free throws a night, or like, I don't actually know what James Harden is, but I think it's something like, it's almost double digits, if not, you know, more than 10. Uh, and then there's, of course, this other thing that I always come up against, which is that, you know, sometimes the best players get the most free throws, but do they deserve it? I don't know. That's true. That's something maybe we can't quite cover in stats. Discussion for another day. But hey, maybe that's the reward of being yeah. one of the best players. Yeah, which I think is crazy. But anyways, <laughs> moving back towards true shooting percentage. Sorry, I interrupted you. It's really good to understand that, though. Because uh, I honestly, if, if someone asked me, I was like, oh, it's probably, they probably just take the field goal, three-point field goals, free throw percentage. And add them up or something. Add them up, divide it by three. Boom, there's your true shooting percentage. And just a, a, a number that may be of interest to some people is that it's not really a percentage because it could be more than 100%. Mm-hmm. An idea that you can just get this from is, let's say you only shoot three-pointers. Well, uh, let's say you take two of them. Mm-hmm. So that's six points divided by two shots, right? Mm-hmm. And that's 300, 300 right? <laughs> yeah. Which kind of doesn't make any sense, yeah, but... Yeah. That's no, but I, I, I see yeah, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's talk about just a few negatives of this stat. Mm-hmm. And one of them is it still rewards players who take easy shots, right? Like right. a big guy is still going to get a high true shooting percentage if all of the shots are in the paint and they're just dunks, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, it doesn't really look at defensive focus. So a player who has a lot of defensive focus on him mm-hmm. is, is going to have a lower two shooting percentage than someone who has nobody guarding them in the paint. Right, right. Right? Um, and it, like I said, it may not cho- show the true effect of free throws because it's just arbitrarily chosen. Not arbitrarily, but it was chosen to be 0.44 and it doesn't align up with historic. It could line up with historical data from the past, but does it line up with today's? Right, Rated and of course, pointers, and it so. doesn't necessarily include. Uh, it doesn't include how many shots you take. Right? It, uh, in a, in a in, sense, in a but sense. it doesn't really. Because you could take five yeah. shots in a game, make yeah. them all, two of them yeah. or threes. It's called a rate statistic, so yeah. you can't really count the right. number of shots, right? So, Fair enough. obviously, the smaller the sample size, the fewer shots, the less accurate that true shooting percentage is going to be to your true efficiency. Right, right. Now I should. I've, I've stuck on it a bit long, but I think we should move to the wraps, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And, and, and talk about, you know, the areas that, as a team they've done. And, and, you know, maybe we'll look at uh, probably the greatest Raptor of all time, which is Kyle Lowry. So a lot of people ask, well, not a lot of people, but I've asked this question. Hey, is this year's Toronto Raptors team better than last year's Toronto Raptors <laughs> yeah, team? Should be nuts. Which is all, already the best team in franchise history, yeah. right? So let's just look at efficiency of scoring. So I, I just pulled up data from the past four seasons, and I'm just going to compare the shooting percentage of Toronto compared to the NBA shooting percentage, and then the true shooting percentage of the Raptors compared to the NBA's true sh- average true shooting percentage. So in 2016-2017 season, the Toronto Raptors had a shooting percentage of 46.4%, mm-hmm. whereas the NBA had a shooting percentage of 45.7%. So the, the Raptors shot slightly above league average by 0.7%. And a heavy jump shot team, if I don't... That was a two-point yeah, two barrage team. That's right still there. Dwayne Casey's isolation offense. <laughs> and then the true shooting percentage was 56.1 and the, compared to the NBA's average of 55.2. So slightly above league average. Yeah. So let's move on to the next year where they tried to... Nick Nurse came in, mm-hmm. not as a coach, but as the assistant coach and mm-hmm. changed that offensive scheme. So two years ago. Yeah. So two years ago. So Toronto's shooting percentage was 47.2, whereas the NBA's was 46. That's the actual shooting percentage. And the true shooting percentage was 57.5 of Toronto's, whereas the NBA's was 55.6. So two percentage point jump. So you can already see, hey, maybe Nick's nurse system actually was was being more effective. Last year's team had a shooting percentage of 47.4 which is a pretty high percentage, Mm -hmm. compared to the league average of 46.1. The true shooting was 57.9% higher than the previous year, whereas the league average was 56, which was also higher than the previous previous year's league average. You can kind of see the NBA tending towards that three-point shot each of these Mm -hmm. years, going from 55.2 to 55.6 to 56. Right. So obviously the higher the true shooting percentage, maybe the more three-pointers are being taken. Yeah, right? and, I, and I think to for everyone you know, listening, the important part there, too, is the defense on three-point shots was not very good as this revolution started. Yeah. And now you got to watch out for all these logo threes that some of these guards can take. It's not just Steph anymore. Damian Lillard does it. Trey yeah. Young does it. Marcus Saul did it the other night. <laughs> Fred Van Vliet takes deep threes all the time. you got to watch out for these people now. <laughs> So Toronto's true shooting percentage last year compared to the league, they had 1.9% higher. Right. So nearly 2%, similar to the previous year. So now let's talk about this year. 
So this year, the Toronto Raptors shooting percentage is 45.9, compared to the league average of 45.4, roughly the same. Mm -hmm. But the true shooting percentage, 57.7, compared to the league average of 55.8. So the true shooting percentage of the last three years have been nearly identical. 57.5, 57.9, and 57.7 for the Thank Raptors. Thank you, Nick Nurse. And then the NBA's has hovered roughly around the same. 55.6, it increased to 56. And then slightly decreased this year to 55.8. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is looking at the Raptors compared to the league. For the past three seasons, it's been 1.9% every single year. That's right. So yeah. Nick Nurse has kept a very consistent offense compared to the... Um, League average as well, yeah. <laughs> and like with the stat, we're just saying that the Raptors this year are just as efficient as they were last year. Yeah, and that's without Kawhi Leonard. And that's without case. Kawhi Leonard. And, and without Kyle Lowry for a long period of time. Without, and without Danny Serge Green. Ibaka, without Danny Green. Without, uh, so really, the Raptors should have dropped like a rock, according to everyone. You know, looking at them and saying, "Oh well, they lost Leonard. Green left. They're gonna be fine." But. Top four, right, is what I basically heard. Some guys didn't Some even have them in the playoffs. Dennis which, Scott put them out of the playoffs. Yeah, which is insane. But again, they don't watch the rap, so they I'll try know. and be a little fair to them. <laughs> but um, talking about Kyle Lowry being gone, mm-hmm. right? Kyle Lowry, a lot of people say, well, maybe he, he's not that effective of a shooter. Right? Mm-hmm. He has, usually has a high three-point percentage, but his field goal percentages are pretty low most years, Right. But what his actual shooting percentage says about his efficiency is not what his true shooting percentage says about his efficiency. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, there are a player like DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. He shot a lot of two-point shots and shot them at probably a higher percentage field goal percentage than Kyle Lowry. Yet, was his true shooting percentage higher than Kyle Lowry's? I'd be willing to bet, no. Almost impossibly. Yeah. Didn't take any three-pointers. So let's look at Kyle Lowry over the past four years. His shooting percentage compared to the league average and his true shooting percentage to the league average. Right. So Kyle Lowry's shooting percentage in 16-17 was 46.4. League average was 45.7. His true shooting percentage was 62.3%. League average was 55.2%. Right, right, right. And you could keep on going. 17-18... Shooting percentage was 42.7, which is pretty low, compared to the league average of 46. His true shooting, though, was 59.8, compared to the league average of 55.6. Last year, his shooting percentage was even lower at 41%, his, compared to the league average of 46.1%. And last year, also, his true shooting percentage wasn't that great, 56.2, mm-hmm. compared to the league average of 56. Right. But then this year, we saw how hot Kyle Lowry was at yeah, the end of the season. before he got injured. His shooting percentage was 47.8%. Compared to the league average of 45.4. Mm-hmm. His true shooting percentage was 66.2 compared to 55.8 for the league. So a full almost 11%. So in our last episode, when you said he's an analytics darling. He is this, an analytics yeah, darling. This is, this is part of it. Because anyone who's watched Kyle Lowry, you know, I've watched him. He's never shot the ball, I feel like, ever at 50%, which in the last four years he hasn't. So his actual you know, field goal his percentage. His actual field goal percentage. But... Uh, and you know, and some of the shots he used to take used to really irritate the crap out of me. But overall, the guy is such a smart player, uh, and especially the last two years, I've seen him just take such good shots. And maybe that's Nick Nurse's influence as well, uh, that he's gotten Lowry to be like, hey, take open threes. Don't force up shots unless you need to. Uh, because the last two years, and I, you know, maybe we'll get into it one day, the, the playoff 
uh, stats for Kyle Lowry. The last two years have been spectacular uh, watching him play. Even when he does, he has games. He doesn't shoot the ball well, but uh, he takes, he makes the right play. You could always count on him on a long period of time to produce. That's, yeah. that's all you need. Which is, and, and he's at 34 now, uh, so I think that's why Masai, Masai uh, you know, signed him. Uh, but obviously, like I said, greatest Raptor of all time. It's great to see that the that the underlying statistics back those those kind of things up. And now he's a champion. And now he's a champion. Anyways, uh, thanks so much, uh, everybody, for listening. Uh, super psyched about the rest of the season for the Leafs. Now that they, I think, have turned a new leaf, so to speak, no pun intended, um, with their new coach, Sheldon Keefe. Um, you know, a, a lot of people should really thank Ma- Mike Babcock for. Turning the culture around, okay, it went a bit sour, but the reality is the Leafs had a rebuild much, much more quickly than any other team has had. For sure. Uh, and you can point to a lot of different teams that have really struggled with that. Uh, and, of course, the Raps, I love the way they play. They play hard. They play well. And their underlying stats uh, just contribute and support that case. So thanks so much for listening. That's the War Room Podcast. Uh, good luck to the Leafs and Raps this weekend. See you guys.